Welcome to a ride on the outside. MMA is full of people on the inside, but what about the ones that watch from beyond? Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. Well, it's episode 49 of the MMA Outsiders. Tom Aldano here along with Zan Bando. And Zan, we entered today, our recording day, which is Wednesday night. We entered it thinking that we were going to have one order. And then what seems to be a tradition of the ETV Network sports shows, by the time the day ended when we needed to start recording, everything just got flipped onto its head. Yeah, for those of you um, who have followed the network for quite a bit, uh, not just with this show, the MMA Outsiders. Um, again, um, for those of you uh, tuning in, uh, welcome back. Uh, we thank you again for joining us for episode 49. But again, as I was going back to, for those of you who know the network's history by now, you guys know full well that when news breaks, everything has to pivot. And this is just another example. We'll get into why here in a little bit. Uh, before we get into the start of the show, though, be sure to like and subscribe. Be sure to follow the Empty the Bench podcast network everywhere across all social media platforms. And be sure to hit that subscribe button as we are nearing very, very close to 500 subscribers. And be sure to turn on the notification bell. That way you don't miss anything here on the Empty the Bench podcast network, including every episode of the MMA Outsiders and every episode of Tough Enough, which I will be back for to preview the season finale. Nonetheless, my name is Zan Bander. There you go. I got to throw it up there. Finale for Tough Enough. Or I forget, this Tuesday, it's our last episode of Tough 31, so it's our last episode of Tough Enough. Yeah, it'll be it'll be nice to it'll be nice to be back in the saddle there, but um, obviously continuing with the intros. My name is Zan Bando. You can find my work over at bjpen.com. I'm a staff writer there, and I am also a Bellator uh, rankings panelist, which could very well change my title here in just a little bit. Oh. We'll, get, we'll get into we'll get into more of uh, why. He, in a little bit is there was some big breaking news and then of course to my left my longtime co-host Tom Elvano you can find his work over at Fansided MMA and also find his brilliant recap work on the PFL website as he will continue to be busy over the next two weeks as the PFL playoffs roll on. Tom it is time for another very very roller coaster-esque episode of the show and I'm looking forward to getting into it so I guess without further ado we can start from the top. Yeah, I think at this point we got to start from the top. So we've got Zuck and Musk. We've got Bellator 300. We got the Paul Diaz fight. We got Conor McGregor going off the deep end again. We've got, well, this was supposed to be the big focus of this other than the Diaz Paul fight. And our previews for this weekend was supposed to be Anthony Joshua versus uh, Dillian White. And now that's changed to Anthony Joshua versus Robert Hellenius in less than a week. We're going to talk about all that and more. Zan. I think with all the stuff that we've got to do on this show at this point, I think we got to PTI this. So I'm actually just going to keep a timer on my phone here and just, hey, we got three minutes for each topic at this point. <laughs> yeah, and for those of you who obviously you know all of you, I assume that are listening or watching this are sports fans and know the format of PTI. And if you guys like this format after watching or listening, please let us know and we will continue to consider doing it for further episodes. We're not saying we want to um, going forward. We, we quite frankly don't want to, but in situations like this, if you guys think this is a good idea, please let us know and we will consider it. All right. So let's start things off. Uh, I don't want to start things off with this, really, if you want me to be very honest with you, but it involves us Zuck and Musk, and therefore we must talk about it. So Dana White has thrown out a teaser a little while ago, basically hinting that he has talked to the Italian Sports Authority about potentially hosting a Zuck versus Must fight, MMA rules like it was originally planned, <laughs> in the Roman Coliseum in Italy. And he expects that this would be the biggest sellout fight in the history of combat sports. Well, uh, you want to talk about big, big, big money? This is big on every single billboard in the world. I mean, and you want to you want to talk about you want to talk about masculinity at, at its finest. This would be the this would be the so-called definition of it. Two Americans 
um, fighting in a in a non-American country in front of the entire world, potentially on the X platform. Um, the, the, there's nothing bigger and more spectacleless, um, which, if you will, than a fight like this. Uh, this is no surprise coming from Dana White, considering that he was just in Italy for about a week. And actually, for those who don't know, he he's such a sick degenerate that he actually brought a casino to him. So this is coming. This is coming as no surprise at all that he wants to do something as wacky as this fight, and he wants to do it in Italy, probably because. He was so sucked into the Italy vibe that he's like, screw it. Let's just let's just make the fight in Italy and let's try to pretend that we're back in the in the in the pre-AD era, if you will. And quite frankly, just reading this headline, this is something out of like a a, a Percy Jackson book or something like <laughs> that. You wouldn't you wouldn't think that just reading this headline at first glance was a real possibility, but it actually is. It's like, am I actually reading the onion? Did I did I hit the wrong site? Uh, yeah, no kidding. Nevertheless, I mean, you know, I'm not going to talk trash about my Italian heritage. So, I mean, Dan, I have for the longest time stated I would love to have a UFC card in Italy. I just didn't think I would have an an Italy UFC card that is main evented by two, well, let's face it, non-fighters. Two, like a white-collar bout is basically what this would be. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. And I was going to say two. If the fight is on X, presumably, there's no way in the world that they won't make this fight impossible to watch um, unless, you're, unless you're a Twitter blue subscriber or something. Or something like that. They're going to find some way. That's $88 a month then. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna find some way to make this as impossible of a fight to watch um, as, you could, as you could possibly get, assuming that the fight even happens. Tom, uh, if you were if you were a betting man at the Las Vegas sportsbooks right now, uh, what would be your set odds on whether or not this fight uh, takes place in Italy, let alone at all? What do you what do you think? I want to say no, but it's Dana White. Dana White, you know, whenever he gets the crazy idea, he will try to find a way to make it work somehow, some way. Zan, despite all of what he says about, oh, we don't do gimmick fights. Zuck versus Musk is a gimmick fight. Yes, it is, Dana. Yes, it oh, is. 1,000%. And I just find it funny that this is the same man that could not get Fedor Emelianenko to fight Brock Lesnar in Russia in 2009, yet he's doing everything in his power to make this so you know that this is a this is a typical UFC business play. Um, nonetheless, Dan, it's gonna, Dan, the, I'll give you the answer as to why. Uh, yeah, it's, it's all about the money and giving into their demands, which I guess both of them are willing to do. Um, nonetheless, my stance on this is keep the spectacle going, uh, keep the juices flowing, keep the internet talking because it is going to be hilarious. And I am going to laugh my ass off when this, when this fight gets canceled somehow some way a month or two months before it's supposed to happen. I will go back to this date and remind everyone that on August 10th, 2023, the day that this show is going to air, that I was right and the rest of the world was wrong. Because Musk, I don't know, Musk gets a boo-boo on his foot and his mommy decides, oh, no, he can't fight. Musk, oh, mommy already doesn't want him to fight. <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm curious to hear what his mom thinks now that this clip from uh, from uh, from uh, Dana White is out. It'll be very interesting to see how this story transpires over the I, next few days. I, although, to be fair, Zuck's wife is mad at him for building up uh, supposedly an octagon in the backyard. Yeah, well, given that he's such an MMA fanatic, I'm not surprised. Nonetheless, pretty crazy news to kick off what is a crazy news cycle. And I know I'm repeating myself here, but it, it literally it has been a crazy news cycle in the world of MMA because another massive... Um, uh, story broke today. Bellator 300, yes, our good friend Dylan Rush over at Cage Side Press hinted at it a couple weeks ago. San Diego being one of the three locations for Bellator's monumental event, it'll take place October 7th. And 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 if if this is Bellator's last event, which I really hope it isn't, but if it is, Bellator is going out with a bang, literally and figuratively. Tom, what are your early impressions of Bellator 300? Are you excited about? Of this card, do you think it'll live up to the building? Tell me your instant reaction. Yeah. So, Zan, actually, before we do, 
we have to give a shout out to your colleague over at BJ Penn in Cole Shelton because That's the original true. the original story we were going to do was going to be Cole's uh, report that came in follow up to Dylan's. Of course, we had Dylan on a couple of weeks ago, and basically the original report from Cole was that the Nurmagomedov Primus fight was official. However, he did hint of multiple title fights because this could be the final Bellator card. And Dylan himself, when he sat with me, Zan, that one part of the episode where you weren't there, he, and he basically said, at this point, go all out and make it four title fights. And guess what? Bellator did. Bader Fassell, yes, I think you needed that. You needed, if this is going to be your last card, especially of a 300, you need a heavyweight title fight. Bader Vassell is that fight. I do love, and Dan, when I was sitting here and I was thinking about Dylan's comments uh, when I was sitting there yesterday, I said, man, wouldn't it be cool if they actually got one or two of the women's title fights? Because at this point, I'm thinking to myself, everybody in the champions are kind of booked up. And I mentioned last week, Zan, Patricio Pitbull could have been on this card, but now that he got knocked out in Ryzen, obviously that was not going to be possible. So could you get one or maybe even both of the women's title fights? And yeah, they did. We are going to get that long-awaited Chris Cyborg Katzengano fight. Cyborg is going to return for Bellator 300, which is really good. Uh, Carmouche taking on Elima Elima Lay McFarlane. Gotta, God, I can't speak today. Um, but I, I, as much as you might say that Alima Alima Lay, yeah, and it is true, she has taken a little step down with uh, the losing streak she had prior to her most recent win. You know, Carmouche and her have a history. They were training partners. They are friends. And Alima Lay is the longtime flyweight champion of Bellator. So if this is truly the last card, I don't mind her getting the title shot. And then Nurmagomedov versus Primus, it's just pretty sad that you know, the lightweight Grand Prix might not be able to go on if it's true that the PFL is just going to completely absorb Bellator. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty excited. If Bellator wants to go out with a bang, this is the way to do it. Agreed. So if there's going to be four title fights in Europe, um, this is more so an opinion-based question. Now that we know and it's confirmed that there are four title fights, um, when you look at what a potential Bellator 300 uh, rounding out the main card um, option could look like. Let's take a hypothetical and say that they might do a six-fight main card. In your opinion, in terms of non-title fights, who else do you add to the bill that is going to be the Bellator 300 main card, in your opinion? I mean, that's a, that's a really tough question, and I mean, because you need to have you need to have somebody there who, you know, like you got four title fights, but I would say you would need somebody, you know, who's been at Bellator a long time. But obviously, as I said, Patricio Pitbull just got knocked out. He can't fight. But Tricky Pitbull, I don't know if he can make the quick turnaround. AJ McKee, I don't know if he can make with his injury. Zan, and and Michael Chandler is in the UFC, of course. So Zan, I'm going to throw you, uh, let's say, a fireball. A fireball just, you you know, when we talk about the dartboard, the throw leap on a wall on the wall and see what sticks right I, I, this is the end of bellator i've got a very and they were all about cross promoting and maybe they do some of that with their absorbing with the pfl and such but i've got a crazy effing idea okay there is somebody who is a former bellator champion okay on down with one of the most greatest fights and greatest rivalries in bellator history Went on to become a champion in the UFC and then was one of those names who was interested, who went over to Asia to one championship, most recently competed in bare knuckles. Zan, do you think, do you know where I'm going at? Yeah. And knowing Scott Coker's um, psyche, if you will, and the way he thinks this is a, this is a definite possibility. Do do you not, do do you not agree? uh, Yeah. So for those who didn't get the hint, I think Bellator goes and for one last time gets Eddie Alvarez in the Bellator cage. Unbelievable. That's my hot take. Okay. So what are we going to do with um, the, um, the Sergio Pettis uh, patchy mix fight? Are you surprised to not see that on there? In a way, I guess I am. Yeah. But 
I get I guess I am Zen and I'm sitting here thinking about it, considering that they're gonna go with Nurmagomedov off Primus, which maybe that was the plan anyways, was to get him in the cage in October. But like I said, it's just a shame because I don't know if PFL is going to honor and I doubt they honored the tournaments because of how the PFL structure works. So I, I, I guess it would make more sense now you say that that we sh- so should have gotten the undisputed Bantamweight title fight between Mix and uh, Pettis. Do you think we're going to get a surprise and have them add a fifth title fight, or do you think they're going to stick to four? If they add a fifth title fight, Zan, this is going to be probably one of the... I mean, it's already a very big and historic card for the proportions of what it could do with Bellator MMA outside of the cage, but if you add a fifth title fight, Zan, I mean, now you're bringing it to another level of hype and anticipation than ever before. Yeah. Are you surprised that Bellator did not try the pay-per-view model and decided to remain and stick to Showtime for this one? I thought they were going to do something a little bit extra. I think they still could do something extra. I was surprised in terms of the viewing methods, though, that they kept it consistent. What, what, What do you think? I think they still could do something extra. But I guess maybe the idea is, okay, if this is the end, we go out with a bang and we basically don't put it on pay-per-view to say thank you to all the fans. Like, it's already premium enough that it's on Showtime. I would have loved Zan if this card was on CBS, but it's it's just going to be on Showtime. For sure. And uh, just my quick two cents, I was hoping that Bellator 300 would be in San Jose, just considering that Scott Coker has a relationship with San Jose. That's where Strikeforce was. But to see it in California, which is basically one of the birthplaces of Bellator, makes all the sense in the world. And I mean, when I say this, you feel the same way, too. Um, if this is the last Bellator event, and we've said it several times in the show, my sincere thanks does go out to the entire Bellator PR team. I've said it several times on this program. They truly are, in my opinion, the best in MMA at what they do. So I truly do hope that there are homes for them elsewhere, whether that is the Professional Fighters League, assuming the merger does happen or somewhere else in the MMA space, because all of those guys deserve it, including all of the Bellator fighters that have come through, all the everybody in the current roster, just the whole organization. I have nothing but good things to say and will always have good things to say. And thanks to them, as I always say in the intro, I am one of 24 different um, rankings panelists. So. Truly, it, it feels like an end of an era for a lot of us, but I hope it's the start of an era for several others. And if, if this is the last Bellator event, it, to me, it should be it should be a good one. Yeah, and we'll give more deeper thank yous to Bellator if this truly is the end when Bellator 300 does come around. I'm pretty excited for it. I am too. I'm also excited because actually that's my first you know long weekend at my. Uh, out of out of here, out of podcast jobs. So I like I can actually sit down and actually watch and enjoy it. Oh, that that's great, and that's good for us too because there's no major UFC that weekend. That's true. All right, let's go to the stories and that we were supposed to lead off with before all this craziness. Jake Paul. Jake Paul scores a look at that word one sided decision. I sat here, Zan, and well, now I have all this egg in my face because I sat here and I said that Nate Diaz was going to win, maybe stop Paul late in the fight. And I said that basically Nate Diaz was the best chance that any MMA fighter had of pretty much finishing Jake Paul. Well, my hope has just run out. And there's nothing else I can really say, Zan, except Jake Paul. I mean... Say what you will about him hand-selecting his fights, picking the older guys, picking the retired guys, picking the guys with no experience, no striking, aren't as good strikers as they are grapplers like a Woodley or an Askren. Um, But he has made everything work in his favor, and he rebounded in a huge way from that Tommy Fury loss. Yeah, he sure did. Um I'll be, I'll admit it. You'll admit it too. We both stayed up to see it, of course. And uh, just out of curiosity, given, given the spectacle that the fight was before we get into the actual fight itself, what were your impressions of the entrances of both Jake Paul and Nate Diaz? Do you have any sort of comment? Regarding- okay. The tank coming into the arena 
was funny. And then Morgison got an absolute kick out of that. Like, but the, but it was just very bland. I thought they were going to be more over the top than they were. Really? And uh, any impressions of a, uh... Of uh, E forty supporting DS through and through, I thought I thought that was funny. That was funny, yeah. And I have to, um, I have to admit, uh, just on a on a broadcast perspective, th- that's one of the worst broadcasts I've ever seen in professional sports. Dizone did a horrible job. Did you also notice that they kept showing the person that they thought was Nick Diaz, but was it Nick Diaz the entire event? <laughs> I mean. And the cherry on top was just when the real Nick Diaz showed up at the end for an interview with Todd Grisham and company. And you could tell, Zan, he didn't even need the sunglasses. I mean, he had the sunglasses there. It didn't matter. That man was high as a kite. <laughs> he wasn't high as a kite. He was drunk as a skunk. He was not there. The lights were on and nobody was home. No, that's true. Okay, jumping into the fight itself, this was a pretty one-sided decision, as you said. I scored the fight eight rounds to uh, eight rounds to two. How did how did how did you have the fight? I think it was something like eight to two or seven to three. It was, but also you have to remember we also had a 10-8 round in there because Nate, J- Nate Diaz actually got dropped by Jake Paul. <laughs> yes, which, I cannot believe those words just came out of my mouth. Which which uh, which five years ago you or I would have laughed one another out of the room if you were even remotely. Because five years ago, Jake Paul was still a, was still a YouTube and 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 star. You would it's only five years ago that Jake Paul would be dropping Nate Diaz in a professional boxing match. I would have no. and what I would have said, what year is it? Twenty thirty five. I know that actually, Zan, we're five <laughs> years not to the day, but exactly the same month in August twenty eighteen, when Jake Paul had that amateur fight. Uh, when the KSI and Logan Paul had their fight, uh, as yeah, the main when he fought Anson Gibb, yeah, yeah, no, uh, when he fought uh, Deji and the amateur, yeah, fight. yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. So it's just absolutely, I mean, Dan, I thought he was gonna get stopped in the first round the way that first round was going, how Jake Paul was seen off. I'm like, I, I texted you in all caps, what the hell is happening? <laughs> It's true. You were, uh, you weren't, um, you weren't off your rocker per, per se that night. But when you were, when you, when you, when you were, when you were texting me during the fight, I could tell you were, I could tell you were very, very fired up and very, very surprised. Yeah, I was more than surprised. I mean, I mean, I get it. It's Jake Paul, and like we talked about the selectiveness of like opponents and such. But I mean, it's still Nate Diaz. Like I said, Zan. He was still fighting in pretty decent fashion, you know, like how he did against Tony Ferguson, how he almost had that, you know, scare. he had that scary moment against Leon Edwards in the fifth round in their 2021 bout. Like Nate Diaz is still, he's still a G, he's a competitor. And here's Jake Paul nearly putting, nearly put, getting him stopped in the first three rounds, let alone just the first round altogether. And it was absolutely one-sided. There was no question who won that fight. Now, Nate definitely towards the end did make it a little more entertaining. Like I said, I can't believe Zan. It didn't go like I said, in which Nate Diaz was just going to basically take the glove off and do the Stockton slap to Jake Paul. Which he nearly did. And and he nearly did. You could tell he was winding up for something else, too. You could, you could tell he was going to wind up for a combination of the Stockton slap and the middle finger in the same motion. As I as I nearly predicted a week ago. So Zan, one thing before we move on to the other part of the story. Here's my question. Okay. What do you think is next for Jake Paul and Nate Diaz? Because they teased that, hey, Jake Paul said, Hey, I'll give you ten million dollars. Come over, you know, we'll go over to the PFL and we'll have a mixed martial arts fight as a rematch. Although Jake Paul also said as an alternate option, maybe go to Tommy Fury win back. Nate teased potential move back to the UFC, potentially the McGregor trilogy. What do you think is best and next for both of these? Yeah, I don't see realistically how, and and, and I don't mean to take a dick at the PFL, but I don't see how realistically with everything the PFL is going on. Um, I don't see how the PFL can take a risk in making Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz in the professional fighters league 
just considering that a Nate Diaz, even though he's independent in in all our interviews prior to the fight, he's always he's praised Dana White and he's praised how much he's done for him. I don't see how he's fighting in another MMA organization except the UFC or except retirement. So I don't see how the fight happens from that perspective. And of course, and Dana doesn't want to do. Sorry, just Dana doesn't want to do any business with Jake Paul. Of course, no. So. I think the most logical thing that's going to happen is Jake Paul is going to rematch Tommy Fury. And I think Nate Diaz is going to go back to the UFC and he's going to sit and wait. And if the Conor fight's available, he's going to take it. If not, he's, he's out of there. That's what, that's what, that's what I think. And even though the, the Nate Conor fight is going to be six or seven years too late, if it's going to do big box office numbers and you and I both know Nate, Nate likes a lot of money. There's 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 no way that if the money um isn't isn't right, there's there's absolutely no way you don't see Nate Diaz taking some sort of um massive deal to to make a massive fight with Conor happen or another huge name. I think at this point Nate's just trying to get in with the biggest names possible to make the most money possible because he knows he's doing it more so for an entertainment value and not more so to improve his career stock because he's done everything he's ever wanted to do except be a world champion. So for sure. Uh, and actually Zen, the reason that, that another reason that might bring it up, uh, the Connor Nate thing about how that could be a realistic possibility is that Ariel Hawani announced uh, earlier yesterday on the MMA hour that according to him, Connor has two fights left on his contract. So you assume he gets Connor has the tough fight or whatever this fight will end up being late this year, early next year. And then there's that one last fight on the contract, a potential retirement fight. I mean, potential double retirement fight, McGregor Diaz three. I think it kind of writes itself. Yeah, I think it writes itself. And uh, the UFC is looking for a main event on Super Bowl weekend uh, in Vegas. So look, excuse me, my argument is, is uh, look no further than a non-title fight between those two. There's your Super Bowl weekend main event in Las Vegas. All right. Speaking of Connor, since we're going to get into that in the next fight, let's talk about the other parts of the story. So Connor McGregor chose to steal the spotlight from Jake Paul and Nate Diaz because of course he did. So he goes on to X, AK, the a- FKA Twitter. One more time. X. And so he goes on a drunken tirade and starts going after Jake Paul and calls him, well, two very unflattering terms. Let's leave it as the R word and the W version of the N word. Trying yeah. to PG this as best yeah. as we can. Yeah, we're, we're trying to PG this as best as we can. And we want to make very clear that we do not condone anything that the, that the ex-UFC champion slash proud Irishman said. Um, when I, uh, when I saw this, um, I had to screenshot it and send it to you because I'm like, there's no way he's keeping this up. And then of course you said he deleted it. So I sent it to you and, uh, I, were, were you, were you surprised? Were you taken aback? Because it seemed very much so like you were, what was your immediate reaction? Uh, when I forwarded you what he actually said, I guess I shouldn't be. Because it's Conor McGregor, but at the same time, it's I guess I don't like when people use that word, and I, and, I, and I'm not referring to the W version of the N word one. I'm talking about the former one, the R word. Mm-hmm. I, I I am not a fan of when people use that word. It is just absolutely, you know, it, it's insulting to those who have mental disabilities. I have been around those kinds of people. And it's absolutely insulting. So mm-hmm. it's shameful. It's shameful for a UFC former UFC champion to act like that. But at the same time, it's Conor McGregor, and that's how he's gotten his money. And you know what Dana White's going to say, Zan? This is the fight game. People say mean things to each other. Yeah, he's probably going to pull that card again and again and again. Um, okay, so moving on to the open in the room, which is this December 16th date, which we really have no idea what's going on with that. Um, Dana's saying the fight will happen. Conor McGregor is saying the fight won't happen. Um, we obviously don't like to speculate on this program very much. We like to, we like to share what the news is when it is officially announced. 
But in this case, we're now in early to mid-August, and we still don't know what the heck is going on with December 16th, what the main event is, anything like that. Um, my guess is they're doing everything they can to make sure the fight happens, and I think it's more so just A, a timing issue, and B, a USADA issue. I think those are the two things. But then again, as we've alluded to, Conor McGregor more than likely will get an exemption. But to me, I just think, as you've alluded to, um, to me off the air, they need to make a decision and they need to make a decision fast. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say, this fight does not happen when it's supposed to. And they look for a different main event for December 16th. And I actually think this fight very well could get scrapped altogether. But I hope I'm wrong in about a week. So there's that. I mean, I'm just long thinking about it, Dan. I mean, the McGregor Nurmagomedov fight got only announced on like two months' notice. So, could it realistically be announced in October and happen in December? Yeah, but like you said, there's going to be the USADA issue, Connor. Like he wasn't out of the USADA pool when he was away for all that long because he went away for the Floyd fight and everything. This is a case where he did retire and pulled himself out of the USADA pool to get treated for all that treatment for the broken leg that he suffered in the Boye Trilogy fight. So, is he going to get the exemption? I would not be surprised. But I just, it's all the back and forth. And Zan, the tough finales next week. The tough finale fights are going to be on the prelims for UFC 292 one week from Saturday. You know, it, it would be nice if, you know, during next week's, next weekend's card, the pay-per-view, they, you know, Dana got into the octagon something formally announced. Connor versus Chandler on December 16th. But like you said, the timing and everything, maybe it doesn't work. Zan, maybe Connor versus Chandler is the Super Bowl weekend fight. Yeah, yeah. You make a you you make a very good point. Um, but still it, it kind of defeats the purpose, though. Going back to our original, original argument, going all the way back to the beginning of this ultimate fighter season, it almost defeats the purpose of the coaches' fight because if the coach's fight's not going to happen in a timely manner, what's the point of putting together all the money to make a season happen when the fight isn't going to happen when we relatively think it's supposed to? Quite frankly, this fight should be happening. It should be happening next weekend, but it's not. It's not happening. And right. that's the. And the, that's the, what did I say? What did I say months ago when they first announced the tough season? These coaches and the the, the, the potential of two ninety two, but the finale. I said. It's Boston. It would make perfect sense for Connor to fight there because of the Irish back, because of all the uh, Irish heritage in that town. Yeah, and he hasn't fought there in ten years. Right. So I said this would have been perfect, but I understand the appeal of Vegas and everything, and that's really his home and such. So, like, I get it, but I mean, Sam, if you don't have this fight as December sixteenth, I mean, what can you do? You're, it's the fact that you let Jones versus uh, Nganu, I mean Jones versus uh, Stipe, and the Colby versus Leon. We assume co-main event out of the bag for the Garden. You can't take one of those fights away and give it to Vegas. At this well, point, I mean, you technically could, considering the Colby Leon fight has not been officially announced yet. So that could be their backup plan if this Conor Chandler fight doesn't happen. You slide the Leon Colby fight in as the main event for December sixteenth. It could. I mean, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe it's Leon versus Colby. It's just now, but I'll let me put it to you this. Now that Jones versus Stipe is announced for the garden, now you can't take that away. You right. can't tell the garden, oh, now you're going to get Leon Colby. Because let's be honest. Tickets are would, already on sale. Right. Tickets are already on sale. And why would someone here in New York go to a fight? Like you're hyping a, two greatest of all time fighting in the main event and potential double retirement. And then that gets swapped out for Leon Colby and Colby hasn't fought in a year and a half and is getting a title shot off that technically getting a title shot off of a win of Jorge Masvidal, who isn't even active anymore. Yeah. It's pretty wild to think about. And this is something that I think the UFC forgets sometimes and is, Zan, is but, the path to is the path to a title shot. Um, right. But Zan, I mean, and there was that report that prior to the UFC 293 news, which we'll quickly go over in a little bit, they were looking at potentially Jan versus Alex. I mean, Yuri versus Alex. So, I mean, if you don't have 
this fight, maybe considering how all, most of the other champions are booked for the next three months, you may not have a choice, but you might have to make December Yuri versus Alex. Mm-hmm. Which, as I just alluded to a second ago, the clock is ticking, like literally ticking, and you need to make a decision ASAP because people need to make um, winter Plans. vacation and Christmas plans like relatively soon. This is the time that you start making those plans. So they need to make a decision and they need to act act fast no matter what it is. All right. We're in the second half of this show. Sam, we're going to go at a little more quicker of a pace with some of these headlines. Let's make mention of the PFL playoffs. We have two of our final fights already. We're going to have Joshua Silvera versus Impa Kasaganai in a light heavyweight title fight. Shout out to Impa. Excellent finish. Excellent stoppage win. Silvera, solid with himself. Gabriel Braga Braga versus Jesus Pinedo in the featherweight title fight. I told you. I told you. I said he would do it and he did it. I told you he would do it again. He, with a caveat, he missed weight for the Velvet Jenkins fight. He had to get the finish. I know, I know. But still, I, I, I had a weird feeling that that would happen, and thankfully he did. <laughs> Despite the weight miss, he is the story of the PFL season. You know, needing the first-round finish uh, against Lognane because Lognane was fighting for a spot, and Chris Wade was watching to see what would happen. He needed Pinedo to win in the second or third round, and Pinedo gets the first round finish to take their spots. Obviously, Chris Wade managed to get in anyway because of Mowgli's injury. Uh, and then Hazes Pinedo, in a, and I said, Zan, it was Bubba Jenkins' greatest opportunity to potentially win a PFL championship. And Hazes Pinedo makes it look easy against him. So is this spelling, is this spelling of a sign, Zan, that Hazes Pinedo might defeat Gabriel Braga? Well, at this point, I'm not surprised anymore, but I can tell you this. I'd be willing to I'd be willing to bet a significant amount of money if I if I really wanted to that Gabriel Braga versus Jesus Pinedo on August 10th, 2023 will not go the distance when they fight. I don't think it will. I don't think it will either way. <laughs> and I would say you're gonna you're gonna find this crazy, but I actually do think Jesus Pinedo wins the PFL season now, given that this is the matchup. <laughs> At this point, Zan, it's not crazy to think about. Uh, and there's no way we can't support Imbusagane here, considering that I would love to see him back in the UFC at some point. So I, I interviewed him before this fight. I'm so happy that somebody I interviewed didn't lose. <laughs> That's good, and you know, and you know, my interview track record is pretty good. So that made that that made that, that makes two of us. So there you go. Sure. But yeah, uh, my early, my early picks, I like Pinedo by TKO, and I like Impa by decision. Although Joshua Silvera, as I mentioned before, is no slouch on the ground, so don't, don't be surprised if this fight goes into the later rounds, and 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 maybe either guy gets a late finish. Nonetheless, two very exciting. Uh, PFL playoff finale fights, although none of the names are sexy by any means. And Bixagade is a guy to watch. And for those who don't know who Jesus Pinedo is, you'll know who he is for sure after his fight with Braga is over. So the PFL should be very happy that they are closing out 2023 on the eve of the PFL Super Fight Division with a bang. For sure. Corey Sandhagen also competing this last weekend, getting the win over Rob Font. Obviously a short notice fight. Rob Font jumping in on a couple weeks notice in place of Umar Nurmagomedov. Um, Sanhagen, I mean, when I say grind, it was a grind. It was a grapple fest where Sanhagen basically dominated in the grappling game and not a lot of people were happy about that. There was that sub story about Dana White walking out in the fourth round. And then we find out, San, Sanhagen tore his tricep in the middle of the fight. Yeah, you want to talk about absolute toughness. He could have easily given up and had Rob Font declared the winner, but that just goes to show that San Hagen is a true professional, uh, wants to work his way back to a title shot. This performance didn't do it for me, but still, that's how you beat Rob Font. You neutralize him. You take away his boxing ability. You take away his kickboxing ability. You take him down every single round of the fight. That's pretty much what he did. Honestly, it wasn't it wasn't the most impressive performance that I've ever seen of him. But as I alluded to you over over uh, over text, 
that's the way you beat Rob Font. And to me, if I'm Corey Sandhagen, I go back to the drawing board, but I go back knowing full well, I just did something to Rob Font that most people can't do or have let alone attempted to do. And I should be proud uh, in that in that regard. And also, if you're if you're the UFC, next weekend becomes very very important for the future of the 135 pound division, which adds to another layer of the madness that is the UFC Vanaway title picture. So, yeah, I was gonna say for all that you're saying, Zan, about oh, it didn't did, didn't exactly impress and earn him a title shot. I mean, yeah, there's that to it. But Zan, that argument gets shot down anyways because. He's going to be out four, five, six months with this injury. So that right, exactly. puts him out of the picture. Zan, at this point, the UFC, not only are they just, you know, trying to, it, some will say because of how quick Aljo turned around that maybe they're trying to get it to happen. But at this point now, Zan, with how crazy Bantamweight is, they're going to have to hope that Sugar, that Sugar Sean O'Malley beats Aljamain Sterling next weekend. Otherwise, Zan, the only realistic person who could get a title shot is uh, Aljo's buddy, Marab, who, who has previously said he's not going to fight Aljo. And Aljo has said the same thing about Marab, too. So that, 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 that so then, makes both of them. So, Zan, crazy talk to end this up. But if if Aljo wins next weekend, UFC may not have a choice but to sit down with Aljo and say, we think then you got to go up to 145. Yeah, that could very well be a possibility. It would just be a matter of where does he fit into that into that um, featherweight title picture, considering the the mess that is the top of that division, and considering that that Volkanovski should be fighting Ilya next. So it's, um, it's unless, very, unless you think in an even more crazier sense, they say cut more weight and drop the flyweight. No, I don't. No, I don't think. I I don't. I don't think you could afford to. To risk um, a ten or twenty pound uh, weight difference, to, to to me, it's very illogical and not very safe. I'm just throwing crazy stuff out there. Um, that's all I'm doing. I know, I know. And speaking of crazy stuff, <laughs> Logan Paul, Dylan Dennis, October fourteenth, Prime Boxing, and Prime is an energy drink. It's being investigated by the feds, but you didn't hear that here. <laughs> and now, six three-minute round boxing match between Logan Paul and Dylan Danis. Where did Dylan Danis come from? Why is he... The last time I saw Dylan Danis fight Zan was like 2019. Yeah, well, uh, for those who don't know, Dylan Danis likes to talk a lot of shit. And he likes to talk a lot of shit very late at night on the internet. And uh, his, uh, his mouth got him what he wanted apparently and uh this is going to be the spectacle of overblown spectacles that you have ever seen and this will probably be the biggest joke of a boxing match that we will see this entire year um i will say this if logan paul loses to dylan dennis a i will laugh my ass off and b logan paul should think about retiring and continuing to just do his impulsive podcast because no one will be willing to fight him unless it's for millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. So I'm going to go out of the limb and not even make a pick on this fight because I think this fight is going to get canceled two weeks before it's supposed to happen. Now, supposedly, uh, Haseem Rahman might be the backup for Dylan Danis. At least that's what Morgison told me from what he saw on social media. Uh, yeah, I actually think that's a more entertaining fight than uh, Paul and <laughs> Owen Dennis and I know I'd sit in the minority, but I actually like Kasim Rahman Jr. and I that that's a fight that I would actually would be really interested in and, and would invest myself in watching that weekend if that ends up being the fight. So, um, yeah, what do you think? Do you are you are you with me that you think the fight won't happen, or do you think the fight will move forward as scheduled? Let me put it to you this way: even if the fight does happen, it's not going to be entertaining. Even if the fight does happen, it's going to be a one-sided beatdown. Just what you saw Jake did to Nate, Logan's going to do make worse work of Dylan. He is just going to be flat out. Dylan's going to be flat out embarrassed if this fight happens. Okay, okay, very very interesting. And I and I uh, and I really can't disagree. Either way, either way, Dylan Dennis is the loser in this entire situation. So. And speaking of losing, and speaking of fights happening, and speaking of cancellations, remember that Joshua White fight that was supposed to happen this weekend? 
Well, apparently Dillian White popped in random Vada drug testing. And now there has been a little history here. Dillian White has popped twice before under Vada. And White has proven himself innocent both times. I think one of which, Sam, one of those tests cost him a fight with um, Deontay Wilder, who was the WBC yeah. champion at that time. Uh, yeah. And now it costs him a fight against Anthony Joshua. White is being replaced by Robert Hellenius, and the fight is no longer a DAZN pay-per-view in the UK. It is now a normal DAZN card worldwide, US, UK, everywhere. Yeah, I mean, this is not the fight that people were expecting. Obviously, Robert Hellenius is a longtime veteran of the heavyweight division, but given that he has very little time to prepare, and this was just announced earlier this week or, or, or near the end of uh, last weekend, I don't think he has enough time to prepare, and I think Anthony Joshua is going to outbox him and win a clear, unanimous 12-round decision. Um, probably either, I would say, 10 rounds to two, nine rounds to three, somewhere in there. I just think Hellenius doesn't have the gas tank to keep up. This is a must-win for Joshua, for him to stay relevant at heavyweight, for, for him to stay in that mix, for him to even have the possibility of fighting Deontay Wilder in the future. I think more pressure is on Joshua um, than oh. Hellenius, knowing that Hellenius has um, has has nothing to lose and uh, and everything and everything to gain from an experience like this. Yeah, of course, Anthony Joshua has all the pressure on him. Robert Hellenius is coming in on short notice. Robert Hellenius doesn't have the skills that a Dillian White has. No disrespect to him. He's not on the level of a Joshua. Now, granted, Sandler, one thing is Joshua has struggled against short notice opponents. Taycom, do you remember uh, him versus Taycom in like, uh, I think it was fall of 2017, which it went to the 11th round? Yeah, it's one of the first uh, Joshua fights I ever watched. Yeah. And, and then, of course, Andy Ruiz Jr., Madison Square Garden. Uh, and obviously the rest is history. Right, right, exactly. And that's one of the wildest upsets that I've seen at least in my lifetime and one that can be replayed over and over and over again. And it's still a sense of shock every single time you see Joshua hit the canvas. But nonetheless, I don't think any of that will be happening here. If you do cover an Elenius upset, we're going to be just as dumbfounded as the rest of the world. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be ready regardless of what occurs. But it, And as I would do, I think Joshua wins this fight 9-3 to three and he wins a clear decision. My question is, what happens with White now? Um, I mean, I think he's going to have to take probably a year to two years off or consider retirement, given that this is another uh, damper on his uh, on his legacy, if you will. And he's someone who I have a lot of respect for. He just doesn't have that signature win that, that makes me go, yeah, he's one of the best heavyweights of our generation. Um, I, could, I could be wrong, as I'll be the first to admit that my MMA knowledge is much stronger than my boxing knowledge, but I will say this: in, in any situation, popping before a major before a major fight like this, championship or not, is not a good look, and uh, it'll it'll definitely come back to haunt him um, if he does continue to decide to compete later on in his career. Also, by the way, Zan, if you're Tyson Fury, like obviously the big money fights and the whole crossover appeal is good in itself, but man. You know, you were thinking about potentially for boxing that it could have been him versus White. Now you're thinking, you know, oh, maybe I dodged a bullet because the fight wouldn't have happened anyway if White had tested positive. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're Tyson Fury, it's a it's a win win situation. I think he has to sit back and watch what happens. Um, obviously, he has his fight with Francis coming up later in the fall, and assuming he wins that, then uh, I think there's a lot of options for him on the table. Or quite frankly. Given Tyson Fury's stature, he could just retire and say, screw this after the Francis fight. So you never know. All right. Big finish. Last 10, 15 minutes. Let's go through what, the rest of this uh, stuff that we got here. Israel Adesanya, Sean Strickland saying, finally, 293 has a main event. As you said in a text to me, Zan, they caved in. They actually caved in. It's true. They, they caved in in a major way. Sean Strickland gets a title shot off of a win over Abus Magomedov. I don't think I would have ever said that. If you were to ask me in the spring of this year, would Abus Magomedov would be a part of a, a, a title conversation, I would have said, hey, who, who's Abus Magomedov? And, and if he's making his UFC debut, why, why would or, 
or, or, or if he's uh, taking a major step up in competition early in his UFC career, and to correct myself for a second, if he's taking um, an early step up in competition um, in, in his UFC career thus far, why would he even be a part of the title picture? Well, with DDP being hurt and with the UFC running out of options for a main event and trying to keep the Sydney crowd as, as happy as they can, although that is the understatement of the century, given that there are, there are thousands of people who are not happy about this, the UFC had to do everything they can, and this is what they came up with. Um, the buildup for this fight is going to be funnier than the actual fight itself. That's for sure, given Sean Strickland's personality. I'm very excited to see that press conference, assuming they do have one. But I'm going to say that Adesanya is going to win in the fourth round via TKO or by decision. Um, I think Strickland's cardio is going to play a big factor. And the, he's, and the reason why I'm laughing is because I could envision Israel Adesanya running away from it in the entire fight and just doing lap dances around you, but barely throwing any punches and still winning. So I don't know. You're thinking Anderson Silva style performance against Strickland. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I definitely see your takes in. I agree. Either it's going to be a late finish for Adesanya or it's going to be a unanimous decision. I kind of want to lean to the latter, but uh, yeah, I feel like UFC had no choice at this point. Like I, like I've been saying, Zan, they shot themselves in the foot, but booking Sydney in September. For sure. And as you alluded to, it should have been Valentina versus Alexa Grasso in Vegas being elevated to the co-main event, but the UFC decided not to do that. So uh, no, they, no, I mean that the Mexican independence card should have been the pay-per-view. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. And it's too. And for, for those who don't know, that event is a rare UFC fight night. That'll be free on ESPN plus from the T-Mobile arena of all places. And that is your main event. For sure. Uh, this news kind of breaking a little bit within the last uh, 12 hours or so. So this is pretty fresh news. Antitrust lawsuit against UFC. For those who are unaware, John Fitch, Kong Lee, several others uh, sued the UFC, but put a class action lawsuit together years ago, about a decade ago, pretty much saying that the UFC was basically acting like Monopoly and trying to be the only show in town to basically lower fighter wages. And that lawsuit has now been certified in a state Supreme Court. I'm actually just going to read the story that the uh, score who uh, published. Let's see if I can get there because now all of a sudden it just completely went away from me. Zan, can you fill some time and talk about your thoughts on this as I get the story up? Yeah, so obviously this has been going on for the last 10 years. Um, I think we can say with certainty uh, on both of our behalf that we are advocates of higher fighter pay for all the fighters because that is the lifeblood of MMA. Without the fighters, there wouldn't be a sport. So I think seeing this move forward in a positive direction, although it has taken about a decade, is the only thing um, th that can be done and is one step closer to hopefully justice for the, uh, for the uh, plaintiffs involved, if you will. So that's how well, I personally feel about it. All right, so here's the story. It's actually come from ESPN, for those who don't know, from Mark Raimondi. Uh, the plaintiff seemingly earned a strategic victory in an antitrust lawsuit against the UFC in 2020. Nearly three years later, that win's been made official. Federal Judge Richard F. Balware granted the plaintiff's class certification on Wednesday, according to a document from the U.S. District Court for the District of Nevada. The, the lawsuit was first filed in 2014. It'll now be a class action suit, meaning almost 1,200 fighters can sue the UFC as a collective for alleged unfair business practices. The class period encompasses any UFC, any fighter who competed in the UFC from December 2010 to June 2017. The UFC plans to appeal the decision, according to, to e a statement to ESPN. So my thoughts, Dan, is that I don't know how much realistically the lawsuit is going to go on and is going to end up being a victory when it, the class action lawsuit actually goes in. There'll probably be some settlement. And I don't know if the compensation that the fighters are going to get from this settlement is going to, in a potential settlement, is going to help, you know, with the kind of that, with the kind of push that they've been having. Nevertheless, it is a big victory. Uh, and considering the fact that it's December 2010 to June 2017, that would mean before the PFL was big. That would be before Bellator. I mean, Bellator is starting to get big, but the lawsuit even the lawsuit even states Zan language in that Bellator 
you know, doesn't compare to the UFC. So you talk, you think about how Strikeforce was bought out by the UFC months later after, after that, uh, the start period of the period that's mentioned in that lawsuit. So this is a pretty big battle. Now I'm going to be clear. I am not an expert on this for those who want more in-depth legal uh, discussions about this and more of a news element to that. I recommend you all talk, uh, you all check out John Nash. Yeah, I would say he's a good source um, as well as even though he does get some controversy, um, Trent uh, Rainsmith is very passionate about, about this sort of thing. And even as well as uh, Josh Gross, so any of those guys that we just mentioned, I would say they're more um, astute to talk about this and more well-equipped to do so. But this is definitely a story that's worth following. And uh, no matter how it ends up, it's going to impact MMA in some way whether it's positive or negative, we still don't quite know that yet, but still a major step forward. And that actually kind of leads into something, Zan, that we actually failed to talk about last week. We should have, we'll talk about it here, that Stephen Wonderboy Thompson did not get paid for UFC 291. Full context, UFC 291, Stephen Thompson was supposed to fight Michelle Pereira. The reason Derek Lewis got met and his fight got elevated to the main card was because Michelle Pereira missed weight by a good couple of pounds. And Stephen Thompson, citing how he's older and how he wants to make one last title run and doesn't want to basically be fodder for a new and up and comer. You think back, Sand, when he even mentioned it to Darren Till fight when Till missed weight and they were competing in Till's hometown and Till won a very controversial decision, which kind of helped deter the career of Stephen Thompson's basically make the downward slide, you know, basically started it. And Thompson basically said, I don't want that to happen again. So he basically refused the fight. And apparently Dana White was not very happy about that. No, he wasn't happy about it. But um, at his Dana White contender series post by Presser, he gave a little bit more context in saying that Stephen Thompson will get paid. But um, Dana revealed that Stephen Thompson was offered another fight. And according to Dana, Thompson allegedly asked for a half a million dollars and Dana flipped out. So. Well, I got to wonder what that other fight was, is my question. Was it against somebody, you know, was it just somebody being elevated from the prelims? Was it somebody they had on standby? Was it another up-and-comer, which he's talked about, which Stephen Thompson talked about before? So, I mean, I need the context. My... My guess is if he was asking for that kind of money, and this is according to what Dana hinted at, my guess is my guess is that it was a fight with Kamaru Usman. So let's talk about that because now a rumor coming out is Dana has said we he will be taken care of, and the argument coming out of it from those who were supported him not getting his show money was that means another fight is on the horizon. There is a rumor going around. Stephen Thompson could fight Kamar Usman with both guys getting full training camps, Madison Square Garden, UFC 295. Yeah, so I don't know if it's related to that, but if he's asking for that kind of money, um, it has to be a major name. And I think Usman would fit, would fit that description, assuming that what Dana is obviously saying is 100% accurate, which you and I both know is not always the case, maybe 60% of the time. But to me, Stephen Thompson does not seem like a guy that would just ask for a half million dollars. What do you What do you think about That's that? That's the thing. Like I've talked to Thompson before; he's such a sweet guy. I, I don't think he's that kind of person who would ask for a half million dollars, especially Zan, if he would get the opportunity to fight Kamar Usman, the number one contender in that division. But who knows, Zan, if even Usman was going to be ready for such a short notice, kind of like when that fight was going to take place. Probably like that. The answer is probably not. He probably he probably would not have been ready, especially for that weekend. There's almost no question he wouldn't have been ready. Um, in terms of when that fight would happen, short notice wise, probably would never know, and he probably just wouldn't have been ready. Period. So, and, and but Zan, also, if you're Kamar, we got to look at it from his perspective. In that, you know, what is his next fight? He hasn't fought since the losing the trilogy bout. Colby's already fighting Leon next. You got Bilal Muhammad there at number three. Shemaev's going up to middleweight. Gilbert Burns, uh, do you run the try to run the Gilbert Burns rematch? I don't know if Burns has a fight book or not. 
stop Thompson sitting there at seven and then sitting there between Burns and Thompson is Shafkat. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I want to see Gilbert Burns versus Stephen Thompson too, considering I was there for the first fight in the what first about fight. Usman versus Burns too. Um, Usman versus Burns too makes a sense. My original answer was related to Gilbert Burns versus Stephen Thompson, but also Usman versus Burns makes a lot of sense too. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, I was just saying that from the sake of you know, we'll t- we talk about the Thompson thing from the fighter pay perspective and what's next for Thompson, but we also got to consider, you know, Usman's got to get back in there if he wants a title shot, another title shot sooner. I don't know when that's going to happen, considering that Leon he already fought three times and Colby Covington he's already beaten twice. If Colby ends up beating Leon, so uh, we got to figure out what the hell is even next for Kamaru at this point. Yeah, I think that's a story that is definitely going to continue to develop over the next several weeks and months because he definitely needs a fight, especially coming off the back-to-back losses to Leanne Edwards. But, yeah, definitely a lot of chaos in the UFC welterweight division, no question about it. All right, very quickly, Zan, three very quick stories as we're here in overtime. Clarissa Shields, she has signed a long-term MMA deal with the Professional Fighters League, the PFL officially has announced. Yes. I mean, th- I mean, I mean, this is huge. I mean, and you talk about the acquisitions of Jake Paul and Francis Ngannou. This is another massive name, another huge star in women's boxing to go along with Amanda Serrano. But this, this is this is what the PFL was talking about when they said they were really focused on global expansion. They were really focused on making all of these announcements before talks started to ramble up with Bellator, and they are doing exactly that. They're keeping the promise of the MMA community, and this is just another layer to that. So congratulations to Carissa Shields, who does have a little bit of a of MMA experience as well. So it would be nice to see her back on a, on a different stage, still in combat. But this is definitely big news for the PFL and all, all positive, in my opinion. I mean, she had had two fights in the PFL a couple of years ago. They weren't the greatest fights. She did get a comeback late finish in one of them lost the second uh obviously she has more you know she doesn't have the kind of mma experience in that you know i mean the mma training as we can say of an amanda serrano who had two fights in combate but still clarissa shields big name big get for for the pfl they are continuing to you know make the big impacts as when it comes to their signings and such all right we got oh yeah absolutely all right, we got two previews just to quickly go over. Bellator 298, before we get to 300, we got 298 this weekend. Logan Storley, Brennan Ward, their main event. Yeah, I think Storley out-wrestles Brennan Ward and wins a, wins a decision. What do you think? I'm going to stick with that as well. Logan Storley, Logan Storley, hell of a talent, was an interim champion. You know, he's not obviously not going to get another shot if all the reports turn out to be true, if Bellator 300 is the end. But, you know, a good fight for both of these guys who, you know, maybe they get scooped up by the PFL to compete uh, in the welterweight division, or maybe, you know, just to have a look at prospects elsewhere. 100%. And then of course you got UFC Vegas 79 on Saturday, Bellator's on Friday, UFC Vegas 79 on Saturday, your main event is Sante Luque, Rafael Dos Anjos. Yeah, this is going to be a vintage RDA performance. Big step up in competition for Luke. A good learning experience. RDA via third round submission. I'm going to say uh, arm triangle choke in a very, very competitive back and forth scrap. What do you think? I know there are a lot of concerns about Vicente Luque and his health at the moment. Uh, but at the same time, you're right that, you know, I think Vicente Luque is a hell of a talent, a hell of a striker. I just don't know if the experience and the grappling of RDA is going to be proven to be too much. I'm going to go RDA by decision, unanimous decision. Okay, so we both agree on that wavelength there. Absolutely. All right. We are finally done. All that content, and somehow we were able to get through it all. Just one more time, tune in this Tuesday for the finale of Tough Enough, The Ultimate Fighter Aftermath. We'll be on at about 11.05 Eastern time to basically talk about the last episode of Tough 31 and preview both of the uh, tough finale fights that will take place on the prelims of Bel- of uh, UFC 292 next Saturday. Yeah, so be sure to tune in for that. Uh, we hope you have enjoyed that show despite my uh, my absence and Tom holding down the floor. But I'm excited to 
return to the X show next week and uh, make it happen and preview those fights. Before we get out of here, be sure to like and subscribe. Be sure to follow the Empty the Bench podcast network all across social medias. Be sure to follow the MMA Outsiders across social media platforms at MMA Outsiders ETV. Again, my name is Zan Bando. I'm a staff writer for BJ Penn, for BJPenn.com. Uh, you can follow me at Zambando99 across all social media platforms, including X and Instagram. And I'm also a Bellator rankings panelist. And then, of course, to my left, Tom Albano. You can find his work over at Fanside and MMA. He's a contributor over there. And, of course, you can read all of his excellent PFL recaps over on the PFL website as the PFL playoffs are nearing its conclusion in the next couple months. So be sure to follow him over there for all the goodies there and follow him on Twitter at Thomas J. Albano. Wait, what platform did you say? Uh, X. <laughs> X. Yeah. Musk is watching. Musk is watching. That's why we had to talk about him first. <laughs> That's a thousand percent true. Thank you again for tuning in. This was another great episode. Be sure to tune in to episode 50, which will air next Thursday morning. We're going to preview UFC 292 and all of the other MMA goodies that Hopefully next week we'll bring or maybe not bring, depending on how positive or negative the news cycle is that we nonetheless thank you again for tuning in. And of course, before we get out of here, our final message, as always, is be Joe Piper. In the spirit of Dana White Contenders series season starting up, be Joe Piper. Be Joe Piper, fight your ass off and do everything you can to earn that finish and earn that UFC contract. For Santa, I'm Tom. We'll see you next time. Take care, everyone. Take care.